use of the word literally, which literally he uses in literally every sentence. This is an ad for a tri suit. And if he says, when it comes to buying a tri suit, there's literally only one option. I mean, firstly, I've stood at the finish of tri triathlons. I've seen there's other options. There's not literally only one option. There are multiple options. They, there are many brands produce tri suits. So it's just an out and out lie. But also, it's self defeating because if there's literally only one option, why do you need to put an advert on? Here we are. Welcome to episode 25 of the T1 podcast. I'm your host, Neil, and I'm joined by Matt. Hello. How's it going, Matt? Good. I've just discovered uh, 0% Guinness, so um, <laughs> it's going really well. Yeah, yeah. I'm on my second can. It's really, uh, yeah, it's excellent. Can't blame anything you say on being drunk. <laughs> no, no, exactly. It's the Guinness talking, the 0% Guinness talking. Tell us what we're going to talk about in today's podcast, because it's slightly different and it's quite fun, I think. Um, but you'll have to you'll have to talk us through it. Well, I think we've got a few things, right? So we were going to sort of go through a little bit like uh, our racing and training plans for the next season. Maybe talk a little bit about winter and sort of uh how to set up your winter and sort of uh how to train through winter a little bit which will make more sense and then we're going to look at some uh try cliches so there's a, a football podcast and um, which i really like called uh, football cliches and if you're into if you're into football i really recommend listening to it it's the best sort of uh insider kind of football podcast there is very like sort of out there in left field but um i've un like unashamedly stolen some uh ideas from that and we're gonna look at sort of uh recent examples of cliches and sort of uh some of the cliche talk which is used in and around triathlon and sort of make a judgment call as to whether whether we think they're okay to use those terms or not nice yeah i listened to the podcast and i'm not a massive football fan but i did quite i did find it quite fun i have to say that's cool. Shall we do it? Do it. Let's do it. Right, let's talk about what we've been up to. I've not really been doing a lot, I have to say. It's good. You were talking about we're going to talk about our winter and our training. I think it might be quite quick for me, but I can tell you what I want to be doing. But um, what I have been doing, uh, I've done a, we've done a gravel event at Oktoberfest. I'm not sure if we covered that in the last I podcast. I spoke about it last time. Yeah, maybe. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. And I was doing some duathlons on Zwift, but I haven't done a few of them because uh, I've been traveling a bit and it's sort of thrown me off the bandwagon. So, yeah. How, uh, for those who don't know, how, do, how does a duathlon on Zwift work? You have a couple options, but it starts on the turbo trainer, like a smart trainer. So that's quite standard and that's quite cool. So you do, I've been doing this series, they, they call it a season and a season begins for a month. Um, so you do four weeks basically. Uh, and it was once a week, once a week, Wednesday. Yeah. And it was um, 35 minutes on the bike, five minute transition. And then you jump on the treadmill. Now, if you've got a treadmill, but if you don't have a treadmill, you can, you know, buy like a foot pod or something and go out and pound the pavement. Um, and it's been quite cool. And it's funny, you think, oh, a five minute transition, you know, could it be two minutes or three minutes? It's actually, there's always some technical difficulty or you've left your shorts or you've done something that you're actually so grateful you've got five minutes, which isn't that far off a transition for me anyway. Um, so it's actually been, it's been, it, they're quite good fun, I have to say, quite surprisingly good and, and they're quite fast and I think I maybe said previously I managed to win a sprint which was pretty cool um, so yeah it's quite it's quite a lot of fun but that's it and I've been doing some bathroom renovations I'm trying to get that out I'll talk about that in a second or later but uh, yeah that's it for me what about you? Well, yeah, so I was, uh, I've, I've actually managed to get a couple of weeks of training in which has been good um, nice. after being recovering. sick for 
God knows how long. Um, I sort of got well, did a couple of weeks, then was sick again. And yeah, but I'm hoping we're, yeah, I'm hoping it's over and done with now and I can actually try and get a little bit of a consistency in. So I managed to do about two, two and a half weeks of training and then um, sort of jumped into a, a 100k mountain bike race last weekend. Oh, that was last was, weekend. I didn't know you'd done it. I thought you were doing it. Yeah, That's yeah. So I was like very unprepared, but it's something that I'd entered a while ago and it, it ends in my in where in the town where my in-laws live where and where my wife grew up so it was sort of like something that i've wanted to do so i kind of persuaded myself that i could like pull my ass around 100 kilometers of mountain biking but um yeah it was it was was good it was good it was uh it's uh scherpenhovel in belgium right to happert in the netherlands so it goes over the border so it's a one-way one-way ride and uh we, we sort of um People do it different ways, but there was a, a coach which took us to the beginning of the race, and then you could leave your stuff at the end, or you know, depending where you're coming from. Um, we start, and it's called the altar to altar because you literally start at one church um, with the uh, the priest of the church blesses you as you go over the line, uh, and then you finish actually inside a church in Happer. You literally go down the old, the, the sort of the vestibule or whatever it is, the central aisle of the church and finish. Uh, the church elders were loving that. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's, it's a really cool event. It's about 1,200 people, I think, maybe a couple more. How did Doing it go? It? I mean, just for those that are maybe unaware, 100K, yeah, a lot of people can do 100K, but 100K on a mountain bike is really hardcore because yeah, it's it was, a lot slower, it was, it's heavier, it's, it's really... It's a very different style of riding. Yeah, that it's about a, four and a half hours of riding in the end. Oh, which, that's a good time. Well, and it, we had a perfect tailwind the whole way. So, in fact, I think because there were, you know, it's not, even though it's a point to point, it's not always straight. So there was a few sections where you turn back into the wind and the speed went from like 26k an hour to 16k an hour. So I think if it had been the other direction, it would have taken us like an hour and a half longer. But um no, it was good. It was, it was sort of interesting. It's my first time doing this sort of ride. And I'd say probably it has more, it's more like a gravel ride, I'd say in a lot of ways, because obviously you're going point to point, you're covering some distance, but it's kind of like more like gravel and farm paths and grass linked together with a few, a few trail sections and, and you know, mountain bike sort of more specific so sections. Could you have done it on a gravel bike? There were about... I'd say about 5% of people were doing it on a gravel bike. I chose, I did it on a mountain bike more because it, like that's kind of what it's known for. And I felt like it was more in the spirit of things to do it on the mountain bike than the gravel bike. I think it would have been quite a lot faster to do it on the gravel bike because there was enough kind of pavement or mm-hmm. um, gravel road or, or that kind of, you know, like forest path kind of stuff that you would have been going like 5k an hour faster on in the gravel bike. And then the trails, the, technically none of it was difficult. I think the the problem would have been the mud because it was super wet, super muddy. Um, there was one field, this beet field that we went through, which was definitely up to the, uh, up to the, the, the sort of halfway point on the wheels. And like, wow. it was kind of hilarious. Like people were trying to go one place and go down or what, one group would go down the path 
And then we were trying to cut across the field because it looked a bit drier. And you'd see people just sort of trying to go into the, you know, through the water as fast as they can and their legs spinning really fast. And then all of a sudden they just, you know, dive over to the side and it was like a timber moment <laughs> as they hit the water. So everyone was choosing different paths through that. And that was, that was pretty tough. And there was a few, yeah, there's a few really muddy sections, which I think, I'm sure if you're like a good cyclocross rider or something, it would be fine. But for, I, I think I would have found that tough on the gravel bike because um, yeah. it was like testing enough muddy mud wise on a on a mountain bike. But it's, um, yeah, it was fun. It was it was a good event and like a long day in the saddle. So it was you know just using it as long winter miles. And then uh, I've got another one of those next month. And then the goal is for winter for me, um, on the 29th of December, I've got a 200 kilometer mountain bike ride <laughs> in Drenthe. So, uh, and that's cool. Uh, that, that's a kind of well-known, um, or yeah, one of those bucket list rides. I think if you, if you're into cycling in the Netherlands and, it, and you know, you're remotely interested in anything, which is not road, yeah, you know, a little, little bit more dirt and something. And I think, it, imagine it'll be quite similar. I think it's going to be, you know, sort of a lot of track, a lot of forest roads, a bit of a bit of tarmac, a little bit of trail. So um, I think it's good to have the hundred, but two hundred is going to be like I, I was pretty done after a hundred k, but I'm yeah. telling myself that was because it was you know two and a half weeks of training or something. Yeah, that's a lot. Okay, so let's talk a bit more of your winter planting. I think we've moved on to that. So. Um, yeah, what else will you be doing in winter? I've got a couple of uh, gravel rides planned as well, uh, doing some events there, but everything's kind of more like a kind of sportive kind of thing, no racing, you know, just just sort of like take part, participation type rides. And then uh, there's, there's a good series of, uh, or there's an there's a organizer that does some really nice um, trail runs in the south of the Netherlands and into North Belgium, mm-hmm. so pretty close by. So I think I'll like probably give it to January now, you know, to, to build up to, to doing some of, some of that. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's sort of on the, on the list till January. How about you? Anything else? No, I've had thoughts, but I've nothing planned. And as you know, I'm not doing structured training at the moment, which I have to say, I'm feeling a bit lost without it, but I've given myself the task that I've been putting off for about four years of renovating the bathroom. (laughs) that's the structure yeah it's we're we're at a point if I don't do it it doesn't make sense because we're going to sell the house in three four years or something so I'm like right that is that is the goal right now and once that's done I'm back into structured training but my looser goals I think I'd quite like to maybe do a marathon uh in spring and do do quite a bit of running over winter I had a good winter a few years ago where I was running throughout winter I quite enjoyed that um, I've got a gravel event in the diary I don't know when sometime in November I just got FOMO because other people booked it and I booked it but I haven't really <laughs> uh, or maybe it's December actually <laughs> I don't know um, so that that uh, yeah that should be cool um, I might do some mountain biking see if anyone's up for it um but other other than that that's kind of i don't I, I feel as i said i feel a bit lost without structure but i have to i have to go through with this i have to get the bathroom done and i've had some travel as well and get that sort of out the way otherwise it's just going to give me a bit of stress i know i know what it was like when i was structured training and i had to do travel and i had to do certain things it just adds a layer of 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 stress to me yeah. so i'm quite happy my goal is to get this renovation done and then, then I'll be quite happy to pick it up again and, and start working towards something. I haven't booked anything. I haven't got, I, I, I think I want to do a full Ironman the latter half of the year, like September, October. So that gives me a bit of, 
I can relax a little bit. I don't have to be too disciplined like I was last year. Um, so yeah, a bit up in the air, a bit open, but that's kind of how it's looking at the moment. And then maybe do some gym work, some strength stuff we were just talking about before we hit record. Um, maybe do some of that. So um, yeah, that's it. Not not much. It feels a bit unstructured <laughs> and for too long, uh, which it is, of course. But that's that's what it is. Let's move on. We've got coach's corner, and you've got something you wanna you wanna mention here as a coach, right? Yeah, it's uh, about parking the ego and especially over winter. So we've just been talking about events and I like to fill my winter with with quite a few events. But um, yeah, when I'm talking to uh, some of the athletes I coach, I sort of recommend doing similar. But the, the question is always around how do you do that? But also, you know, how do you do that? Keep focusing on zone two, keep focusing on building your endurance, but also, you know, manage to be in races. And the question is, don't think of, or the answer is, I guess, don't think of it as a race. So especially like the the, the ride I did this weekend, like I guess it helped that I wasn't very fit. And, you know, that I was okay with guys that were 20 years old are sort of cycling their way past me, you know, but also that's the attitude that I go into all these things over winter with is like, I know what the goal of the of those events are and I'm not there to compete at those events. If I'm doing a hundred K mountain bike ride or a gravel ride or even a trail run, like I'm not there for a PR. I'm not there to hold a certain time. I'm there just to essentially it's sort of a fun training day with aid stations and a bunch of people around on a new, you know, a new course that I wouldn't have done another time. So that's, I think how you can kind of, do those things. And I think it's really important that you, you do, if you do race over winter or do events over winter, that you have that in mind. Cause I think one of the, one of the things that you see so often is people going too hard too soon um, and starting like ignoring that base and starting to sort of try to build fitness straight away over winter and trying to build high end fitness without you know, building that base. I think an awful lot of endurance athletes, like, you know, age group endurance athletes are like woefully underbased, woefully under zone twoed, um, rather than sort of a lack of interval training per se. Do, do you think some people are focused on what the professionals are doing? Do you think that's got part of it? And like, how is this, uh, how are people behaving like amateurs versus the pros? Do you think this is part of the issue? Yeah, possibly. But also uh, the flip side of that is I think this is the way that pros do train, but that it's not very exciting and it's not very sexy. So it's not what they share. Mm -hmm. Like putting, you know, your latest like Lionel Sanders YouTube video about a five hour zone two ride isn't very good, but putting his 45 minute <laughs> screaming into the microphone you know, coughing up a lung is way, way kind of, you know, it's going to get a lot, load more views. And so that I've seen sort of even like, you know, comments on Strava and things like that of like easy zone to run at five minute per kilometer pace. So, you know, eat so easy, easy, uh, recovery run five twenty per kilometer pace, like Kenyan marathon runners are running recovery runs at seven minute pace. So if you think you're two minutes better than them, you know, go for your life. And the same for like, if you look at the average of like grand tour riders, for example, like the, I saw those, uh, uh, a journal or a piece that sort of looked at the average sort of zone 
uh, intensity and the spread of um, of Grand Tour riders, the pro riders, and like the average power was about 165 watts for the season, essentially, for for like a, a pro tour rider. So they're riding around most of the time at sub 200 watts, you know, which for them is, I mean, that's that's relatively easy for me you know, 200 watts, but for them, that must be very, very easy. So that's probably the equivalent of me doing a lot of riding at 150, 160 watts. So I think that's, you know, as an age grouper, we tend to see the the times limited and we think that going faster is better, but ultimately you've got to think what's the benefit you're trying to get from it. And the easy riding is all about aerobic benefits and you don't get any more of those. You're not getting the physiological benefits anymore going 530 per kilometer pace rather than 630 per kilometer pace. So all you're going to do is maybe get a little bit more tired, a little bit more fatigued. And even worse, maybe you're actually getting your zones wrong and you're peaking into zone upper zone two, zone three there, where you're actually creating different physiological adaptations. And that's why so many people are, are kind of underbased. So there's one sort of story that when I was um when I was living in Dubai before moving to the Netherlands, um, I was part of a, a, or where I first started doing triathlon, I guess, joined a, a sort of um, a small team, um, or a team sort of glorified, I, I guess it's a training squad or something. Um, and the coach for that, he was uh, an ex-Australian uh, pro triathlete. And he was really good friends with a lot of the the really big names like uh, Chris McCormick and, and Craig Alexander. And we each year had a, a little sort of training camp over a weekend where Craig Alexander, everyone knows his Crowy, would come out and do a few sessions and he would talk about his I don't know, nutrition and his approach to training, but also do a bunch of sessions with us. And uh, this is two-time, I think, Ironman world champion, couple of time, 70.3 world champion and a bunch of other things to his name as well. And in a long ride where we were like sort of swapping in and out and there'd be, you know, people that have been cycling for six months and two years and stuff, you know, we might do different distances, but we'd ride as a group and sort of roll off the front and he'd take his turn and then roll off onto the back. And he was preparing for, I think I'm on Florida at the time where he, he was sort of needed to stamp his ticket to Kona for the next year. So even for the highest level of pro triathletes, he was able to park his ego. He wasn't yeah. worried about the fact that, you know, some, I don't know, accountant who lived, you know, who was a, a, a part-time age grouper was running a minute per kilometer faster than him on an easy zone to run because he knew exactly what the purpose of but that run was. Do you think some of the amateurs that you were training with there were just trying to show off a bit to see, to, to, to show, well, yeah, ego to say, listen, I can keep up with you or something. Do you think there was a bit of that going on? I think there is, but there's also, I mean, I think that's always the case, but they, yeah. I'm sort of reminded of that a little bit now because like having to build up my fitness from, from almost mm. zero, you know, like after such a long amount of time off, like I've started running again and I'm really, like I was literally starting by doing five minutes run, two minutes mm -hmm. walk. And over the course of three weeks now, I'm now running 45 minutes mm -hmm. solid. Now that's nothing, you know, I've done ultra marathons and, and all yeah. these things. So it shouldn't be a great deal, but you know, it's taken some time to get to that and I'm super happy with that. But I'm also like running by heart rate and I'm trying to keep my heart rate nice and low. Yeah. And I'm 
bearing in mind that that's or you're keeping to the front of my mind that that is what I'm trying to do. So today I was, you know, running, managed to do 45 minutes all in one go, super happy with that. And I was doing 615, 620 per kilometer pace. And the amount of like, mums you know who sort of ran past me on their training that you know they were out for 10 minute jog in the morning or whatever it was and but each time I'm just like you have to let it go and there's that temptation to go no but I am good I am fast I am you know like the ego kicks in so often in that scenario but I think it's really important to just even to have that conversation with yourself before any session at this time of year and go what am I here for what's the purpose of of today like uh, even like in the pool the other day i had people out sprinting me and they are a minute per hundred slower probably but i'm taking it easy i'm just doing my thing and it's really hard to just not to not be like yeah you know let me show you what sprinting really looks like but yeah yeah, i think yeah it's such a, a key part and so whether it's just training um um sort of applying that or or taking a second to yourself and thinking about what am I trying to do with this session or if it's sort of entering a bunch of you know events over winter to keep motivation high which I think is a great idea just bear in mind what you're doing it for because yeah. there were so there were so many times on that ride on on uh on Sunday where you know a group would come past and the temptation to to jump onto the back you know especially into a little bit of the wind and you on a on a section which is a bit faster temptation to jump onto the back of that is really high but you know that the heart rate's going to go 15 20 beats per minute Yeah. Higher, and you know you're out of the purpose. And there's a time and a place for doing that. Totally for doing those harder rides, and for you know maybe racing it a little bit more. But if if you want to build base fitness, that isn't. This isn't it. This isn't the purpose. Okay. So the conclusion is: park your ego over winter. I'm getting it. (laughs) (laughs) I have one other question, and then we're going to move on to try cliches. But did Croy, as you mentioned, did he? see your first triathlon helmet given that he was with you in your first triathlon club yeah I, i'd done my first triathlon at that point so the kid's helmet had gone <laughs> and i was i was wearing an actual fully grown adult helmet <laughs> for anyone that well maybe maybe matt will share this on our podcast uh, on our on our instagram page which uh which is t1 triathlon podcast maybe matt will share this you've got to go and look at this it's fantastic <laughs> and i'm not going to ruin the surprise right let's move on to try cliches matt take us take us take us through this Okay, so the idea here is uh, that we are extremely, uh, how would I say, anal and picky about the level of cliche which is used in triathlon. This isn't about like things that we like and things that we don't like. This is about some of the terminology and the language of triathlon and sort of making a judgment call as to whether we think it's been applied correctly. And uh, yeah, maybe it's something that, you know, if, if people find it funny enough or whatever we can do in future or, or you know, we can do follow up with uh, every so often and try a new thing. I'm going to try and start this, right? So the first one we're going to talk about, it came from a news article actually in Try 24-7, um, and it's relating to, I'm going to get this wrong, but it's Challenge V. Bocot. Is that correct? In France? We'll need a, a good French speaker on there to, to <laughs> correct us. <laughs> but we had uh, Mika Note, who was <clears throat> leading the race, and 
Uh, he got overtaken at the finish line, was it? He fell over on the finish line oh, and got overtaken. Yeah, his Abs- legs went. Absolutely horrific. And and we had Alistair Brownlee, who everyone knows for various uh, medals and, and wins. Um, he, he, the idea, he is saying that he didn't feel right, so he jogged at home. And he's on record as saying this, right? He, he, let me let me see, let me let me read exactly what he said. He he said on social media, another tough. Oh, actually, it wasn't him that said that. It was someone else. I think it's the news article that's saying that he jogged at home, but wasn't feeling my best. But was enjoying being out on the course and closing in on the lead in the late stages of the run. Didn't feel quite right on the last lap, so decided to jog at home to not put myself at risk for future races after the year I've had. Hats off to Matthias and Mika for an awesome sprint finish. What do you make of this? Are you calling so, bullshit? Well, my question is, so this was a four-lap run, uh, half, half nine-man distance, so each lap's, what, five-and-a-half-ish yep. kilometres. Yeah. Is five-and-a-half kilometres too long to jog it home? That's my question. Like, jogging it home... It, to me, that feels like a sort of maybe a last kilometer. I don't know. It, or does it change according to like the triathlete? Like, is is Alistair Brownlee? Can he jog it home further than we can jog it home? For example, I'm not quite sure. I get what you're saying. So, are you asking what it means to jog at home for him versus us, or what? Maybe explain it a bit more. Well, I'm just saying, like the terminology itself, the whole like the the, the concept of jogging at home. To me, it feels like five and a half kilometers is too far to count as jogging at home. Right, right. And that's what he was saying he did. He jogged at home in the last lap. He jogged at home for the last lap, yeah. What do you make of his story that he just didn't feel right so he jogged at home? Is that fair? It's it's hard to know with Brownlee, isn't it? Because It's not like he has to prove himself, but at the same time, it's like... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's sort of like you jog at home. I don't know. Mind you, I guess, I guess um, the goat. <laughs> he, 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 uh, he done. He, he essentially jogged home his marathon at the World Champs in in, in Nice, right? Next uh, triathlon key, uh, cl- cliche. Take us through this one. Well. <laughs> I really like the How They Train podcast. Um, uh-huh. Have you listened to it? I haven't, no. Well, tell us okay. about it. What it's, is it? How, it's Jack called? Kelly, who, who was uh, the, he's the Australian guy who was also doing some of the commentary on the PTO. Mm-hmm. And I think it's good to have somebody that like builds up triathlon, but <laughs> Jack bless his socks. Like, <laughs> His, he, he loves a, he loves some hyperbole, let's say. Like he'll be like talking to somebody on on his podcast and be like, "That is literally the single greatest triathlon performance of last Wednesday." You know, like <laughs> he, everything is like the Maybe most he's just amazing. Enthusiastic. Yeah, he's very enthusiastic. And then I don't know if we can play this uh, if we're able to, but the, the ad at the end. This has been bothering me, and I think this just shows me to be really, really anal about the use of language more than anything. This, this reflects badly on me more than on him. I can I play think. it. Let me find it. Let me, uh, I think I have it. We have to, we yeah, have to So this is an ad end. from the end or that's been running on this podcast for a while. It's an advert, right? Okay. Yeah. Of his, right? Let's go. When it comes to picking what tri suit to wear on race day, there's literally only one option and that's Win Republic. Win Republic have just launched their brand new collection, the World Champs 2023 collection, to celebrate the Men's Ironman World Championships in Nice and the Women's Ironman World Championships in Kona. Right, so that's his advert to end these podcasts. Tell us what you're, tell us what you're taking issue with here. <laughs> 
like this is a bugbear of mine anyway, but the the use of the word literally, um, <laughs> which literally he uses in literally every sentence. But yeah. this is an ad for a tri suit. And if he says when it comes to buying a tri suit, there's literally only one option. I mean, firstly, I've stood at the finish of tri triathlons. I've seen there's other options. There's not literally <laughs> only one option. Like <laughs> there, there are multiple options. There, there are many brands produce tri suits, so it's just an out and out lie. But also, the point <laughs> it's self defeating because if there's literally only one option, why do you need to put an advert on? Because if you go to the shop, I think we should play him this. I think we should play him your uh, your reaction to this and see what he thinks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'd take it. it. It's literally the greatest piece of triathlon <laughs> commentary. <laughs> All right, moving on. You've got another one about Ironman Barcelona. So they say that this race has clocked sub eight hour times. It's on their website. The Qatar Airways Ironman uh, is Calella Barcelona. Tell, tell, us your, tell us your aim with this one. Where are you, where are you taking aim? So, yeah, the description of I'm on Barcelona says, says it's, it's, it's a smoking fast race and the race has clocked sub eight hour times. Can a race clock a time? Yeah, I was thinking question. the same. Yeah, it's, 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 this is a language thing, isn't it? It's the race has clocked sub eight hour times, almost like making us think that the races went out there when we've all been sleeping and just clocked itself at eight, yeah, sub yeah. eight hours or the something. The race is racing itself. <laughs> but we know what it means, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I don't know. I, I still it bothers me these things, like <laughs> you know, like journalistic background. So it, it, it sort of gets under my skin. So like you know, it, athletes have clocked the beta hour times many you know on many occasions. Like this, that that makes sense. But a race clocking a time you see this seems, quite a lot actually with race websites and stuff. And I think a lot of it is they're sort of written by non you know non-native english like there's people mm -hmm. with english as a second language which is usually pretty good as, as it is but this is one i have to agree i read that and i thought the same like a race can't clock a time but we know what they mean i mean sub eight hours is a fair time right it's a, it's a really good time it's, for a race. i'm in barcelona if it is racing ironmans then it's racing them quickly so yeah <laughs> would sub eight hours at ironman barcelona get you a slot at kona or is it that fast that, that there's many people doing it? Because they no, say it's one yeah, of the... No, yeah, yeah, it, it would get you uh, a slot of Kona. My other question is, <laughs> if Ironman Barcelona has, has clocks of eight hour times, which Ironman was it doing? Was it Barcelona or did... <laughs> and how does it... And what is its name when it when it's, when it's it appears at Kona? <laughs> We've got Ironman Barcelona and what age group? <laughs> okay. Um... Yeah, so the, 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 another one we're looking at was an Instagram post, I think by the PTO from Taylor Nips Race, is that correct? Um, it was the PTO about uh, about Pona, about the women's ah, okay. championship. Yeah, and, and they said f um, about, about Lucy Charles Barkley winning, I think, fifth time lucky. What, what do you make of that? So, I mean, it, it's obvious what they're going for here. Like, she's been second on four occasions and she's won on the fifth time. But yeah. again, like, the, the, the pedant in me won't, won't allow this. Like, it's always third time lucky, right? You're only allowed yeah, to be third true. time lucky. That's true. <laughs> that's true. You can't be fifth time. Well, I mean, she might think different. I, I take more aim at the fact that they sort of talk it, say lucky, like, you know. And I get it like because I understand the language. <laughs> yeah, but it's kind of like, oh, you know, this time she just got lucky. No, she worked pretty damn hard. <laughs> <laughs> for, for like... 
eight and a half hours. You know, like well, just in the lead up to it. I mean, I've watched a lot true. of the stuff about that. It's, it, it sort of, I think, takes a bit of uh, credit away from her. Like, it's not, it's not luck. I mean, it wasn't luck that she, that she, um, that the other person won. It was uh, Daniela Reef, was it that? Um, Oh, no, yeah, she's come second a few times to different people. So, oh, so it's yeah. different people, yeah. right? And it's not that they just got lucky. It's like, no, they were stronger. Or, I mean, I'm sure there's probably exceptions. But you know what I mean? If I, I take more aim at the, the sort lucky. of discrediting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't it's think... like, it sort of like implies that everyone else went the wrong way or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what it's like. Oh, she got lucky. They took a wrong turn. <laughs> Um, but yeah, oh, I think she deserves it though. She deserves a bit of luck. To sleep <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things. It was lovely to see her win that race though, because yeah. she has worked hard. She's came back from injury and 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 a few you know issues here and there, right? Um, I think it's quite uh, quite a win, right? Oh, especially after after coming fourth. Oh, sorry, second on four occasions. Like you can't. You've got to get lucky yeah, sometimes, no right? No one's going to be good to this, right? So, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's amazing to to see. What I find interesting, we spoke about this. Um, I'm not sure if we spoke about it in a previous podcast or not, but it, it, the, 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 the top four, three, three of the top four or top five people were coached by the same coach. Is that correct? So the number one and two were coached by the same coach. And then Taylor Nabin is going to be moving to that coach, apparently. I don't surely, think that's been confirmed yet. Surely that's a conflict, right? So you're on your Zoom call to your coach and you're like, right, I'm going to get these bastards, right? I'm going to... And he's like, yeah, you go, you go, woo woo. And then he's like, right, I need to hang up. I've got another call. And then he's like, right, so... <laughs> Let me tell you how to be... Yeah, yeah, like... How, how does this work? How can it work? I can't, I can't get my head this how can you have two, the top five women triathletes in the world or whatever top three with the same coach I, I don't get it I can't see how I cannot see in any way this is allowed I can see it from a coaching side like outside of the race purely coaching you're trying to maximize each person's fitness yeah and, but there's an unconscious way, bias but, but there's going to be an part un- of the coach's thing like part of the coach's role is also race prep right and for this for, for our a top level pro that means how to win the race and that way you can't separate the dynamics you can't separate the who else is going to be up there and how you can beat them so i find that really i find that difficult to yeah to get my head around yeah fair enough fair enough um well let's see we'll see what happens next year <laughs> maybe they'll all cross the line holding hands or something and say yeah our coach did it <laughs> i mean it just feels I don't know. Feels too much of a conflict for for my liking. Um, right, we have another couple of dry cliches, right? Uh, one of them you've you've got here is defying a field, um, which I think was <laughs> I think we spoke about this previously. It's an image used by the is it the PTO for Lucy's win? Um, yeah, tell us. <laughs> That is horrific. We need to put this one on the Instagram so people know what we're talking about here. But okay, yeah, so, we'll put it on there. Yeah, the, yeah, the PTO posted a sort of like uh, how would you describe like sort of half photo, half like graphical illustration. It looks like they've been experimenting perhaps with AI and the Adobe products or something. Yeah. But um, I, sort of, if I was Lucy she, Charles Barkley, I'd probably not be happy with this photo. 
So she's sort of leaning forwards, like sort of showing, uh, you know, straight, like sort of flexing her muscles a bit. She's like, not in any sort of position that would akin it to triathlon. Let's just put no. that out there. There is nothing you look at this other than she's wearing the the flowers in Hawaii and things. There is nothing here that she's either cycling, running or swimming. She looks like she might be doing the toilet. That's 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 well the that's. problem is that they've gone for the the sort of the Hawaiian background. So there's elements of everything, including sort of hot lava rocks. But unfortunately, because she's kind of leaning for you might say she's squatting. Yeah, and that's the, the one, hot yeah. lava rocks appear yeah. to be coming out of her backside. <laughs> it's pretty poor, I have to say. The PTO have got this a bit wrong. I really hope that Lucy Charles Barclay listens to this and lets us know her real thoughts on that. Um, but there's also something on this about the language was bothering. Like they say that she defied the field, but I, I don't know if you can defy a field. You, I feel like you can defy expectations. You mm. can beat a field. You could destroy a field. Yeah. yeah. I don't know that you can defy a field. It seems wrong to me. <laughs> yeah. This is really an English lesson here. Uh, I think <laughs> this is what you're taking in English with a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> and there was another uh, post that they put up, I think, calling it demolishing an opponent. Um, but that was that's relating to Taylor Nib, right? Same yeah, this PTO is also again. this is kind of the same thing. Is they yeah. they descri- describe Taylor Nib as having uh, it's, it's sort of talking about her race with uh, with uh, Daniela Reef a few years ago at the um, Collins Cup and and described her as de- demolishing her opponent. And again, this is a language thing, but I, I don't think I think you can demolish a field or you can demolish the race, maybe. Yeah. But demolishing an opponent sounds kind of violent. Yeah, it does. It does. But that's maybe how it feels for them. I mean, you would, you could imagine them saying, coming off of a race or coming off of a training session, saying I absolutely demolished her. I could see that. I could see that. Yeah. But okay. It, maybe, uh, maybe that one gets by then. <laughs> you are being pretty strict. <laughs> All right. Um, let's move on to sort of personal tri cliches, the things that, that, that you, uh, that you, you have. And you've got, you've got one against my, my dear friend, Jan Fredino. Yeah, tell this, us, might, not, this, this might not be popular, but again, this is about, this isn't so much about, you know, likes and dislikes. This is about like the language or the, the commentary around triathlon. And this one, yeah, Jan Fredino. If you're on like a podcast article, whatever the con, you know, YouTube video, whatever it is, it seems like nowadays you're not allowed to mention the term Jan Fredino without then calling him the goat, right? <laughs> like, it, and, you, and ideally then you follow it up with a hilarious emoji of a goat like Instagram <laughs> post it's like it's like he's changed his name by deed poll now to Yamfredino the goat <laughs> and do you think he's the goat um I think now now we're getting this is like therapy for you now we're getting to the root of this issue <laughs> I don't know probably I think Brownlee is the greatest one day racer, but then he's never managed to pull it together through injury. I think if he'd managed to to sort of get over his injuries then and done something at the full distance, then you know I think he would have had a good shout. I, I think Christian Blumenfeld's going to be very close very soon. You think? Um, but uh, you have to say, yeah, in terms of like, he's won the Olympics, he's won the seventy point three World Champs, he's won the Ironman World Champs. Like that, that's there's only. Blumenfeld and uh, Fredino that have done that, and Blumenfeld yeah. did it in Saint Ironman in Saint George, not at Kona. So I think which has an extra sort of maybe 
you know, extra couple of bonus points to it. So, and and Fredino's done it a couple of times each as well as yeah. those other things. So I think if Fredino, uh, if Blumenfeld goes back now, wins another Olympic medal and then comes back and wins another Ironman, then I think that He's, title sort of, yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty, pretty much done. And then Fredino has to go and yeah, legally change his name away from the goat. <laughs> and Fredino the goat. How about you? Is there any, uh, anything that like, it gets your goat. I had one and I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I have to take it away because it, it. it's something that really kind of irritates me. There seems to be like forensic uh, sort of scrutiny of club members on each other's racing performance. Like the poor people, you know, are not even off the shoreline on the, on the swim and club members are talking about every aspect of the person's performance. Like, oh, they must not be having a good day because something's happened, this, that. And, you know, it could just be a timing chip didn't happen or they never started the race for whatever reason. But is there seems to be this forensic scrutiny goes on um, from all your sort of club mates based purely on speculation and that kind of kind of irritates me it's interesting like i don't think it's i think every club has something like that or every group has like these things oh, but it's often like fre- it's often friends and family who maybe haven't raced an ironman or a 70.3 so don't know just how terrible the tracking no but at first are. no but it's not it's not really about the tracking at first i thought it was quite nice but actually people just go like i'm finding there's so many club mates all commenting on every aspect of their performance um and it's like i wish they would just sort of cheer them on and leave it at that it's like you, is you it know, the need to show like insider knowledge like the smallest amount of reflected glory it could be i really don't know i really don't know and then when people don't do too well in the race it suddenly either goes all quiet or or you know it's like i don't know i just it feels wrong to me i think we should cheer our club mates on and just sort of leave it at that um it's this it's this forensic scrutiny that i i just think is is too much for me but it's a it's a personal thing i think in relation to that when someone's doing like a big race like that and it doesn't go well um they if you add up all the, like everyone says like it was a particularly hard edition of the race like it is always that sort of like I've heard of at least 20, the hardest Ironman ever, kind yeah. of, you know, like the hardest Literally year at so-and-so. Yeah, the hardest course that there's ever been. Even yeah. harder than the same course last year, you know. <laughs> there's, there's so many of those. So I wonder, like, yeah, how, yeah, how often that's sort of thrown around. It's just a personal thing. I just think we should be a little bit more general and like, you know, it's great they're doing it. And if you want to track them, track them. But let's leave it at that. Let's not talk about, you know, what they may be doing, what may have happened, what might have this, might have that. It's like, it's just a bit too much for me. But that would be my uh, personal cliche of, uh, or rant, I think we should call it. What you've been watching or listening to while training? I've not been doing a lot of training, to be honest. So I've been very busy with work and watching YouTube videos on how to renovate a bathroom. So that's a bit shit from me, I have to say. But do you have anything to add to that? Any tips on renovating the bathroom? Oh, where are we at so far? I would say... Uh, what, what tips? Um, 
I'm trying to think if there's anything I would have would have changed. No, not not really. I mean, I think it's went it's went pretty much to plan. I've not been rushing it because I've had to do it in amongst work and and travel. And so far, things have have went to plan. Um, I would say buy some of your the stuff you need for the bathroom before you start. Like we've got new parts for the bathroom that we hadn't. We had to go all the way to Eindhoven to get a cabinet because it wasn't available in Amsterdam. Stuff like that. But you know, pretty boring stuff, really. Okay. Yeah, I'm about to hit that sort of renovation hell again soon. So um, I quite it's somewhat therapeutic for me. Like I'm tiling it and and stuff, and I quite enjoy that aspect of it. I quite right. enjoy DIY in general. I've spoken about it in many previous podcasts. Yeah, it's somewhat of a meditative thing for me. It detaches me from work, which is something that I'm constantly thinking about. So, uh, and that's why I'm kind of doing it. Like I've done renovations while I'm training for something as well, and that kind of irritates me it gets in the way so uh i quite enjoy it a lot of people hate it and it fills them with dread i quite enjoy diy yeah it depends what what the thing is the, yeah, the true. we we're, uh, need to take down a chimney and it's just oh, like yes. the dust and the mess and the, like yeah. th that's the the horrendous part of that well, but so like the have, rest of it after that is kind of fun when we get to build back up so, so you have reminded me of something any advice for anyone that's going to take on this task so uh, the, the task begins with ripping off out the whole bathroom suite and you know the tiles and stuff mm. um, make sure you close all the doors in the other rooms because we're seeing a little layer of dust even though we're closing one door like the bathroom door you're still seeing this dust get its way throughout the rest of the house close it and then like close seal it at the top it. as well <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah. the amount of dust that gets in any house which is being renovated is uh is That's insane crazy, yeah so that would be my advice yeah or pay someone but I'm not paying someone right <laughs> so my tip would be uh bodies on Netflix Oh, what's that? Tell us. I'm looking it's, for some Netflix. It starts stuff. out as like, it's, so it's a limited series. Like uh, I think it's eight episodes, which I like because I don't like things when it's like season 24 of blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I like it to be, you know, the story is done. Yep. And uh, it's a British TV show. And it's essentially set up like it's a kind of um, police kind of crime investigation mm -hmm. kind of thing but basically it kind of then splits to investigating the same crime over three different periods of time like in the one is in the 1890s one's in 1940 and then one's modern day so, and so I know it turns into like there's a sci-fi ish element to it but it's it's really well done the first episode like it's a little bit <coughs> cliche um, suitably for this episode, but um, after, after that, you sort of really get into it, and it sort of uh, it, it, it hits. It's hits not. Speed. A, it doesn't sound like a turbo training series. That's for sure. It's it's already taken too much of my brain power to try and work it out. It's a long ride, you know, a long <laughs> ride on the turbo trainer, which is also going to start to happen. I think, especially here with the amount of rain that we're seeing like oh gosh so. it's pretty rough yeah that's true okay um right so maybe we should also talk about the bite size episodes that people will be seeing I've, we've had quite a good bit of feedback on these and you've been uploading them and doing a, a couple of these um short tell us tell us what they are yeah so uh, in between these shows so we we try to get one of these pods out probably what every Once month, month. Yeah. or so yeah and uh but in the weeks in between i've just been throwing out some the bite size episodes so they're basically i think between five and ten minutes tops i think the longest one's maybe seven or eight minutes and either comments on sort of 
bigger things in the world on the triathlon world so we've done a couple of uh just sort of uh like hot takes around the the world championships the men's and the women's but also introducing some coaching questions so each one we just do a kind of five to ten minute dive into one single question around triathlon and we've done well so far i've done one around um the like how to set out your close season, like, you know, how to end your season and set out uh, the season coming up. And then the other one was about whether you should listen to the fitness and yeah. workout and health suggestions that yeah. come up on your Garmin. So these so, are just short bite-sized episodes that people yeah. don't, that can download and listen to. And we've had quite a lot of good feedback on them and also some uh, good suggestions. So we'll, we'll try and continue there and try and pick some quick topical things that people want to hear about. But if anyone yeah. has any suggestions in the meantime, just let us know through dm on instagram or something at t1 triathlon podcast um next episode of the main podcast so it could be a one of a few things we're going to try and get a pro racer on we're going to try and get a pro swimmer on we're going to try and talk about bike packing or gravel riding it could go any one of those and we haven't decided which way it will go so hopefully we'll have that in the next episode right yeah Okay, good stuff. Well, if for anyone who wants to subscribe, just subscribe on whatever you listen to your podcast. Rate or review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or all the usual places. It really helps us. Um, you can listen to the episodes on t1.captivate.fm just now. And also follow us on T1 Triathlon Podcast on Instagram, which is probably the best way to contact us as well. Have I missed anything, Matt? Um, smoke signals <laughs> you can try and get us with smoke signals but I'll yeah. be too busy in the bathroom renovating or, it so I want or some. you can just shit out hot rocks and we'll be running <laughs> on that note we'll finish up <laughs> see you later bye